Let's stand together as I look at the scripture, 2 Samuel 9, and let's look at what it has to say. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan was a very close friend of David's. He's the son of King Saul. The Father, what an amazing life you've chosen for your people. Struggles? Mm-hmm. Challenges? Yes. Pain at times? Oh, yeah. But we are not defeated. We are triumphant and we are victorious. And we who have seed in the ground know the harvest of favor is about to happen. So may the joy of the Lord be ours in spite of the toil and the struggle. May there be joy in our hearts today and anticipation of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please be seated. So then the king said, and he's repeating himself somewhat, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness or the grace and favor of God? And I think about that passage. It's amazing. What a great story. It depicts the favor of the Lord. So watch this in Second Samuel. And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent him and brought him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Wow. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Wow. I want to speak to you one more time about the favor of God. The favor of God is God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. The favor of God is what some might call the it factor. They've got it. It's unexplainable. It appears in a person's life and suddenly they're doing things that only God can get the credit for. You know God blessed them to do it. Circumstances in your life leave you stunned. How did this happen? You don't comprehend how it happened, except you have to declare, it was the favor of God in my life. The backstory is King Saul, who started out well. In fact, Samuel the prophet told him, when you were humble in your eyes, you had the favor of the Lord. But when you decided that you could disobey the Lord, you found yourself on the wrong side of the table. He was killed in battle. He was going to lose his kingdom and lose his life in the process. And then Jonathan, David's very closest friend, was also killed in that battle. Now David is crowned the king of Israel as God had determined in giving a new lineage, the kingdom. And as David sits on the throne of Israel, after all the trauma he endured, he he, he was running for his life from King Saul who wanted him dead. It's a price tag on his head. The battles he had to fight while he was out in the wilderness on the run against the Philistines 
and a bunch of other tribes that were always looking to do damage to Israel. Now David is finally the king. And as he contemplates the journey, his dream and God's purpose for his life has come to pass. He is now king of all Israel. And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal a great principle to the heart of David. Remember, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And God turned David's heart, and he began to think, is there someone on whom I can show favor? And David asked, is there anyone in the family of Saul? Is there anyone left? Because God wants to turn favor onto your family. And your family can live in the blessing of the Lord. And God turned David's heart, and he asked, is there not one to whom I can show kindness and favor to? And David's servant said to him, there's only one, only one left in the household of Saul, and he lives in Lodabar. And the name Lodabar means fruitlessness, barren. Lodabar was a desolate place. There was nothing growing of any value there. And Mephibosheth was deserted. He was broke. He was living in poverty. He was hiding because, as was the custom of that day, a new king from another lineage would kill off all the remaining seed of the previous king. Mephibosheth was living in Lodabar. Now, you might be here today in debt, fruitless, your home life in disarray, desolate, barren, miserable. God can turn favor in your direction. Favor can find you in strange places. Favor can find you in a broken marriage. Favor can find you in a dysfunctional family. Favor can find you in prison. Favor can find you when everyone else on the job is against you. Nothing seems to be working for you. Favor can find you in those situations. Favor found Mephibosheth in Lodabar. And notice King David didn't ask, is there anyone who is like educated? Is there anyone with superior talents? Is there anyone with some special giftings that I can be favorable toward? No, is there anyone was his question. And that's the gospel message. Whosoever will, is there anyone who will come and let me show kindness to them? The son of David is saying that to you today. You don't have to live in misery. You don't have to continue in despair. You don't have to live in barrenness and unfruitfulness. There is one on heaven's throne who is saying to you, is there anyone out there that will allow me to show my favor and bring them out of the low place that they live in? David said to his servant, go get him and bring him here. I'm not going to wait for him to come finding me. My favor will make its way to him. So bring him to me because he can't get to me. But I'm sending you to bring him to me. Oh, that's very important. Being a Christian means more than running around with the sign of the fish on your car. Being a follower of Jesus means you bring other people to Jesus. That's what David's servants were doing. You tell other people about the favor of God. That God's not looking to crush them or to express or vent his anger on them. Mephibosheth probably thought, oh no, I thought I was well hidden, but he's found me. And when I get before the king, David, he's going to put me to death because I'm the last of the lineage of Saul. 
He could not imagine after all his family had done to persecute David that King David would now show him favor. See, people are taught, and this is the way many, many times the church looks at things and religion portrays things. People are taught that God is against them, that God's looking for a way to smash them, that God wants to smack them down every chance he gets. But we are in a parenthesis called the age of mercy and grace. Soon God will bring the whole world to judgment. That's the way he's going to wind up the story of his working with the human race. And from the prophecies of Scripture, we're probably very close to that happening. But right now is the day of salvation, the day of God's mercy, the age of his grace toward us. Right now, if anyone comes to him, he will show you kindness. He will still show you mercy. God will show you his favor. That is God's will right today. And the first thing David said to Mephibosheth was this. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. Jonathan and David were in what they called a covenant, and it was a cut blood covenant. Now those are sacred A cut covenant simply meant that each would cut his arm and then they would put their arms together, bleeding, and their blood would mingle. And it was called a covenant of blood. So sacred was this covenant that if either one of them broke it, it meant death. And David was saying, Mephibosheth, I'm not doing this only for you. Your father and I had a covenant a cut covenant, and I'm honoring that covenant. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. The king's son made a covenant with David. So now the king, David himself, will bestow favor on Mephibosheth. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' body was scarred beyond recognition. Stripes, nails, thorns, bruises, torn flesh, And the father said, the king's son has marks of the covenant on his body. And now I will show you favor because of it. That's why I will show you goodness. That's why I will bless your life. I don't want you to think I'm against you. I'm desirous to favor you. And if you follow Jesus, favor will follow you. Buddha cannot do that for you. Muhammad cannot do that for you. They can't bring you any joy, nor can they bring you any favor. Jesus said, follow me. I will show you favor. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Now notice the fruit of favor. will restore to you all the land of Saul. All of it. Everything that he owned, I'm going to restore to you. First, when favor comes to you, it can dramatically change your life. God's favor comes toward you to bring you restoration. I'll restore what you have lost. I'll restore what the enemy has taken away from you. And then Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. That's where they were killed. And his nurse took him and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was 
Mephibosheth. He was disabled. He was crippled. He was a legitimate handicapped placard card carrier on his chariot. A legitimate one. Not the ones you see that can walk better than you can parking in those stalls. But he had a legitimate reason for that handicapped placard to be on his chariot. He's incapable of taking care of himself. He's pitiful. He's immobilized. It's one of life's painful stories to read this story. King David said, I'll restore what you have lost. And some people think God wants to hurt you. God wants to kill you. The truth, God desires to restore you. And do you recall the woman caught in adultery? They dragged her from the bed of adultery and they threw her at Jesus' feet and said, the law said, stone her. What do you say? I want to know where the man was. How come they didn't drag him out there? Probably one of the Pharisee preacher buddies would be my guess. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Lord Moses, that's a stoner. What do you say? Now watch this. Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, all right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Don't ever take a guilty sinner and throw them at the feet of Jesus and think he's going to condemn them. Throw them down at the feet of some mean-spirited Christian, that will happen. But don't throw them at the feet of Jesus because what he'll do is he'll cleanse them and he'll forgive them and then say to them, go and sin no more. Do you hear God's word? The substance abuser, God doesn't want to kill you. He wants to heal and restore you. Bound by sexual relationships out of the will of God. God restores you, sets you free, wants you forgiven and cleansed. Liberated from those sins that bind your life. Well, pastor, I was born this way. When it's time to get born again. When you're born again, you're a new creation. He said, I will restore your family and you will never be the same. The favor of God will open doors for you. No man can shut. The favor of God can change rules and regulations and policies on your behalf. Start confessing the favor of God over your life. Get up every morning and say, the favor of God's on my life today. The favor of God is on my children today. Today, the favor of God, this Sunday, the Lord's Day, is on our ministry at Calvary Christian Center. Start confessing the favor of God. And when you're experiencing the favor of God, immediately respond to it. Why? Because number two, as you notice and acknowledge the favor of God in small ways, it will begin to increase. Immediately acknowledge God's been good to you. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So Calvary Christian Center, you can grow in favor. It may start small, but be thankful even in that small favor. Be a favor finder. Find the favor of God even in the little things. Someone pays it forward, covers your meal for you, picks up the tab. Give thanks to the Lord. That's the favor of the Lord. Are you hearing me? You're in tough traffic. I mean, it's bumper to bumper, and no one's letting you in. But all of a sudden, somebody slows down just enough and nods, and you slip in. 
Thank the Lord first. That was favor. And ask God to bless the person with favor who did that for you. Or you check into the motel and you've got your reservation printed out and they're looking on the computer and saying, we don't, we don't have a, a record of this reservation. I have it right here. It's printed out. Well, we don't have a record. But I'll tell you what, for the same money, we're going we're gonna to give you an upgrade because it's on us. That's the favor. That's not coincidence. That's favor. Thank God and receive the favor. You paid your tithes. God bestowed a blessing back on you. Acknowledge the favor of the Lord every time you experience it. And look at what God's done and give him thanks because he's blessed you back. And if you acknowledge favor when it appears, it will increase. Do you believe you can receive favor? And favor will increase when you acknowledge it's his favor. Number three, God will fight your battles because of his favor on your life, so you don't have to fight them for yourself. Listen to the scripture, Psalm 44. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them, but it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance because you favored them. Psalm 41. By this I know that you are well pleased with me, because my enemy does not triumph over me. Psalm 102, for the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. Notice, set time. There's a moment when it starts appearing. Say, this is my time for favor. A couple more passages in Acts 4 and 33 in the New Testament. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. So you read that and you go, thank you, Lord. But let's, let's break it down. Read it where we can comprehend a little more. And with great strength and ability and power, the apostles delivered their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, loving kindness, favor, and goodwill rested richly upon them. They were wearing the favor of God like a garment. Great grace, loving kindness, and favor and goodwill rested richly upon them. There are some of the benefits that come to you because of favor. First of all, when God's favor turns toward your life, there'll be supernatural increase and promotion. Increase and promotion. Second, restoration of that which was stolen. That's in Exodus 3. You have a promise in that chapter. Thirdly, honor in the midst of your adversaries. When everybody looks at you like, and God honors you. Exodus 11, give you some insight into how God does that. And fourth, increased assets can come to you when God's favor, the set time, manifests. I think of our amazing new property in the set time, how God had us to buy that at the right time. And place that with favor into our hands. Thank you, Jesus. And he's got a set time for us to start building on that property too. Deuteronomy 33. O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possess the west and the south. In other words, you're going to expand your land. And then fifth, recognition when you seem least likely to receive it. In 1 Samuel 16, David, you know, he's out keeping his father's sheep. That's what he did. He was a young boy. And Samuel, the prophet, comes to anoint a new king in Israel because Saul is no longer going to be the one who continues to lead the nation. So Jesse 
brings all his boys out before the prophet Samuel. And Samuel looks all over all of them, and he says, none of these is the boy. When David was left out in the field, the one least likely to be chosen by any individual, by just looking at him, no one would think it's king material there. No. He didn't look like a king. He seemed to be opposite of some of his older brothers that were well-built and tall and looked like they were kingly. And Samuel said, none of these is the one. There's got to be another one. So they bring David in from the field. Samuel said, he's the one. And they anoint, he anoints him to be the next king of Israel. Proves the passage. Number four, and I wanted to get to this one because item number four in my series today. I'm anointed to get to this point. And you need to focus your faith right here. When the favor of God is upon your life, Petitions are granted even by ungodly authorities. In Esther 5, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet which I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. Esther goes in before the king. He's the king of Babylon, most powerful man on the planet. Laws have been put in place which put the queen's life in jeopardy. But because of the favor of God upon her, she's granted access to step in before the king. It was purely the favor of the Lord. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. The law said, nobody steps before the king unless he summons them. If you do, you don't live to tell about it. Esther had learned, of course, some things in her life as she was preparing herself. And there's a key everybody needs to understand. There's always preparation before favor comes. Six months of preparation with oil of myrrh. Six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. Wow. She learned the art of how to make it look right. So policies, rules, and regulations can change when favor appears. Esther received favor from the king. Listen, God can override a law, a policy, a regulation and see it all bypassed. That's exactly what happened. And battles are won and lost on that premise. The king loved Esther more than all the other women. Prominence, preferential treatment can come upon your life from God's favor. That happened with her. God said, you are going to rise above all of them. Now, how many of you could stand some favorable treatment? Anybody here? Anybody stand some favorable treatment? The rest of you just want to go on the way you are? Enjoy. The rest of us, we're going to take the favor. And we'll take yours too. God, if they don't want it, I'll take that one too. Give it to me. When it seems least likely, recognition comes your way. It's called favor. When God gives you favor, it's to build his name and to build his kingdom 
for his glory. So when God bestows blessing on you, it's not just for you. That's part of it, but you are in partnership with him. And when he blesses your life, you are in turn to honor his kingdom and to bless his name, to build it by giving, by sacrificing, by gifting the kingdom. But before you get to favor, there are some steps you have to take. The set time for favor appears, but there are always steps that are taken prior to getting there. I'm not sure who said it first, but it's true. And I've lived this out myself a time or two. This premise, when God shuts a door, he always opens another one. But sometimes it's hell in the hallway. It's that transitional place of in-between. That season between your birth and your destiny. And you see it throughout the scripture. Joseph experienced it in the pit and in the prison before he ever got to the palace. Then there's Job. His story is told in 42 chapters, and 37 of them describe all of his troubles and all the tragedies and struggles. And finally, in chapter 38, God starts speaking, and things change very dramatically. Abraham, Moses, Paul, they all go through the same seasons in their lives. All had the same experiences. But let me break it down and show you how it works so you can, it's palatable, and you'll get the picture of how God brings you into the season of favor. But I've got a seed in the ground, and it's coming up, and it's my season for grace and favor. Thank you, Jesus. Let me break it down. Here's four, four components that take you to your season of favor. Working, watering, weeding, and waiting. <laughs> in Amos 9 and 13, yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God's decree, things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim one thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off of the mountains and the hills. That's a phenomenal promise. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills will flow with it. And he's giving them this promise of this moment of set time favor. Prior to that, read Amos. <laughs> he's given them the business. He's an old farmer. God raises him up as a prophet. He walks into the Jerusalem, and he starts telling them, this is what God says, and you better get it together because you're under, listen, you're not under the blessing of the Lord. You, you are under judgment because of the deeds and the ways that you've acted toward him. And then God's going to give you a reprieve. And when it happens, there'll be a set time for favor. As fast as, you can har- as fast as you can put the seed in the ground, the harvest will pop out. I mean, you won't be able to get it fast enough. So during the working phase, Amos is speaking about plowing. He's a farmer. The plowman had the double duty of applying pressure to keep the plow deep into the soil so it could turn it over and get it ready for planting. At the same time, the plowman has these contrary animals he's got to keep in line. It's tough work plowing with animals. Then watering. The soil's rich in that part of the world, yet rain is very unpredictable. That's why the scripture speaks of the early rains and the latter rain. The early rains come in late October 
in early November. And then the latter rain comes in March and April, just before harvest. And between those rains, the farmers would use a dipper on a long pole, and they would lift water out of a cistern. So when it rained, they gathered water in a cistern, and they would keep it. And then they would take a long pole with, with a dipper on the end of it, and they would dip into the cistern, and they would direct it into the hand-dug ditches around their plants, keeping them watered and growing. Back-breaking work. Then during the weeding phase, now, the farmers might allow the, the weeds to grow with their wheat and their barley. Jesus refers to that in the New Testament, and he defines the difference between the wheat and the tares and says, when I get to the end of days, I will make a clear separation between the wheat and the tares. They kind of look like each other, but I know the ones that belong to me and the ones that don't. And I will bundle the tares for burning, and I will bundle the wheat to take with me. A clear, clear separation, I'll let them grow together. But during the time of Amos, Israel also grew beans and cucumbers and garlic and leek and lentils and all kinds of fruits and nuts. And weeds could not be permitted to overtake those vegetables because it would rob them of their nourishment. So the farmer's wife, children, and hired help would all be out in the fields pulling weeds by hand. The time between sowing and harvesting was occupied with work and more work and more demands. Then came the waiting. While waiting, growth takes place. Growth requires sunshine, water, passing of time. Jesus said, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after the full grain, in the head. That's the normal process. But Amos talks about a moment, a set time, when all of a sudden, bam, this great season of favor and harvest happens. Now, most of us can handle anything better than the anxiety that comes with waiting. This time warp of unfulfilled dreams... And our questions to God are all wrapped up in one word, when? <laughs> While we seem to be able to handle the work and we get through the drudgery of, of working and watering and the weeding, it's the when that causes us the frustration, the anxiety. You dedicated your children to the Lord when they were babies, and now they're older and they're succumbing to temptation, and they're heading in the wrong direction. And you ask, When? And all these verses in the scripture talk about patience. And we ask God, when? This is where a lot of people lose it. Right here. Waiting. You got through the work of turning the soil, watering, weeding, and then came the wait. And this is where I've seen more failures than any other spot on the chart. Impatience. I'm not going to wait. When are you going to do this? Maybe I ought to help you out, God. I've got an idea. I think I know the best time is now, even though you've told me to wait. Abraham is the great example of this mistake. Fifteen years go by since the promise you're going to have a child, a son of promise. And your lineage will be as the stars of the heavens and the sands of the seas. And years go by and nothing is getting older. God, I'm getting old. I'm not getting any younger. When's this going to happen? 
God, we can help you out here. Maybe you got, you're occupied with other things. So let us take care of this for you. And we're still paying for that. Because it was not Isaac. It was Ishmael. I've seen more people. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to grab this, this situation right now by the throat, and I'm going to take care of it my way. Or I, I, I can't wait. I'm going to rush into something that I know isn't the right exact, but it's here and it's now, and I want to do this. Watched in relationships. Watched it in business deals. I've watched somebody pull the trigger too fast and get out ahead of God. And then instead of having that full-blown, phenomenal Amos 9.13 harvest, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And still you ask, when? (laughs) When, God? David asked a similar question in Psalm 119. And he inquired, how long must your servant wait? I've asked that a lot of times. Job's wife asked it in Job 2 and 9. How long will you cling to your integrity? Curse God and die. (laughs) Joseph probably asked it a thousand times. In 13 to 14 years in the prison cell. When? You've asked it in a hospital hallway. When? It's grueling. It's stressful to wait. It's the normal process. But then when the waiting is done, I've got a seed in the ground. It's my season of grace and favor. And I'm waiting. Sometimes not patiently. But I'm patiently waiting, Lord. On you, because I know only you can make that grow. And in Amos 9 13, season begins to break. And all of a sudden, when it breaks at the set time, it's not a normal harvest. You'll re- encounter greater favor. You'll experience greater faith. You'll engage a greater focus. You'll embark on a greater future. You'll enjoy greater fulfillment, because Amos says when it hits, it, you will not be able to gather it fast enough. In the Amos 9.13 season, supernatural living becomes the daily expectation. It every single day opens a new opportunity. The Amos 9.13 season is a time when normal is redefined by kingdom expectations. It's no longer just the normal thing of earth, but God's supernatural kingdom is applied. But please understand the parameters of God's favor. Favor doesn't mean nothing ever goes wrong. You may be highly favored, but you're still going to get wet when it rains. You may be favored, but sometimes your car needs four new tires. You're favored. Sometimes your children will need braces. Okay? You're favored. Sometimes you're selected to endure a test. Favor is not a fantasy. And remember, favor is when God does for you what you cannot do for yourself. God's doing this. It was true of Joseph. He's elevated from prisoner to prime minister because he found favor with Pharaoh. It's true of Noah. Saved his family in the flood because he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Same is true of Esther, who saved her nation by finding favor with the king. It was true for Paul, who endured the sufferings of storms 
snake bite, beating with rods, whipped at the post, betrayed by some he trusted the most, and said, I have faced death on a daily basis. I affirm by boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. It was hard work. But take note of what he writes. But whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. And here's the point. Watch. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So God's favor was for his kingdom to be built. So in biblical favor, listen to me, problems become possibilities. Obstacles become opportunities. Troubles become triumphs. And we're about to embark on that season of God's favor. And my God will exceed all we expect, increase all we invest, and accelerate time. What do I mean by that? God will make it happen in condensed time. The years that the enemy stole from you, he said, I will restore those years in condensed time so I can fulfill my kingdom purposes in you. There's a set time. And no matter how close or how far you are from it, when that set time arrives with God, boom! Nothing stops it. Nothing. Wow. So today, get up. You're not a pauper. You are favored of the Lord. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Anybody here want to stand up and give thanks to the Lord and say, thank you, Lord, to do what you called me to do, to obtain the favor of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Say with me, favorable treatment is coming my way. I expect the favor of God. I expect his favor to rest upon my family. His favor will produce honor and promotion and increase. And victory belongs to me. Lift your hands. Give thanks for the favor of God in your life. Give thanks. Come on, give thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, how good you've been to us. We were not a people, but now we are the people of God. We had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. Thank you.
you. And why have we received that from you, Father? Because your son Jesus cut a blood covenant with us. And his blood is on your mercy seat. And you see us through his blood. Thank you. Thank you. Eyes are closed for a couple moments.